0: Welcome to Red Cedar Ranker. This is our fourth episode. My name is Ed Glazer. I'm the general manager of the student radio station, Impact 89FM, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-sidekick. Colleague. Colleague.
1: I'd like to be promoted eventually. (laughs)
0: You're doing great. We'll see. Your six-month review. (laughs) Welcome, Mr. Fletcher. Oh, hello, Ed. How are you? Good. Doing well. And uh, I think uh, I don't know if it's am allowed, but congratulations are in order. You recently uh, defended your dissertation proposal.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the successfully. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Uh, the, now it's actually doing the dissertation. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's just a, you know a small part of it. But yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get yeah. there. We'll don't get you have there. interns do that? Uh, no, I can't delegate the dissertation. I don't, I don't think. Uh, oh. uh, Paulette, does MSU have a policy on delegating dissertations? Do you know? I think it does. Okay, Steph, and
2: I wouldn't advise that you do that. Okay, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Glad
1: I.
0: <laughs> well, it's good thing you checked with that. Yeah, um, and we have a guest, uh, mm-hmm. as we often do. This time we have we are lucky to have uh, Paulette Granberry Russell. She is the director uh, for the Office of for Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives, and also the uh, Title IX Coordinator. And senior advisor to the president. So, welcome to the program.
2: Well, thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: Well, it's great to have you.
1: Yeah. And uh, Paula, can you can you give a, an introduction to, to, to yourself and your mm-hmm. three titles? Oh,
2: Jesus! Yes, uh, yeah. We, we can start with uh, Title IX coordinator. Title IX, I think, at least I hope most people understand. Title Nine basically precludes discrimination on the basis of gender, particularly in this case in higher education and. Uh, Title IX coordinator basically means that um, I am the institution's um, administrator over issues that impact or are related to Title IX. In this case, if we're thinking about discrimination, if we're talking about sexual harassment, if we're talking about sexual assault, those issues would fall under the review of of my office. Mm -hmm. And then as senior advisor to the president for diversity, um, we hold as our core one of our core values inclusiveness, which basically represents uh, a diverse campus community, but also assuring that there are ways in which we can do our work to create that more inclusive living, learning, and working environment. So there's ways that um, I impact that as well. And then as Director of the Office for Inclusion, uh, we have four focus areas, institutional equity, which the Title IX work falls within, but broader non-discrimination work, both in terms of the university's anti-discrimination policy as well as state and federal non-discrimination laws, education development that's related to ways in which we enhance diversity and inclusion at Michigan State and major university programs like the Dr. King Celebration and, of course, this year, Project 6050, which I would be happy to talk with you a little bit about, and also... So that's the community building piece, and then there's the research and assessment work that's associated with that. So that's kind of in a nutshell all three titles. How's that?
1: Wow! Yeah, that was that's that's quite I, a, a body I've, of work. Yeah,
0: I've, I don't know about you, but I feel lazy now. Yeah, yeah, you uh. should. Sure. Uh. <laughs> fair, fair, enough. Oh, this is off to a good start. Yeah. I like this one. Well, we usually start off way with uh, um after introduction a little uh, go green roundup of Spartan news, and I think uh, the big the big news of the day probably uh is the the. Billion and a half. How do you say it one and a half billion? It should be said like
1: uh, Dr. Evil in the Austin Powers movies. Uh, I, I feel 1. like one point billion, billion yeah, yes. dollar
0: fundraising <laughs> campaign announced recently. Uh, and that is a huge undertaking for the university. Quite exciting.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the the uh, the silent phase has been underway since uh, 2011 and I think yeah. I read the statistic of uh, the university's already raised 780 million dollars uh, from 200,000 donors in in the silent uh, phase of of the campaign. Wow. Uh, recent large gifts that probably were I don't know. Well-timed announcements. I'm assuming on the university's part mm. uh, was the 10 million gift of the uh, Scandolaris family to the athletics department, uh, as well as the 25 million dollar gift of Eli and Edith Broad to uh, uh, further uh, help uh, enhance uh, uh, programs, particularly at the graduate level. I, I think at the uh, in the business college. So, mm. uh, Paulette, have you been uh, doing uh, fundraising? Have you well, been?
2: We we do our best to help the university in this effort, but I think you know one of the uh, specific goals associated with the capital campaign is ways in which we can increase endowments for student scholarships. So I think to the extent that uh, that is one of our primary goals as a result of this work, I think that's a fabulous thing. The cost of higher education for some students seems extremely difficult in terms of a hurdle to overcome. So the more we can get uh alums and others who are true Spartans to give in support of our students, That's what we hope to see happen as a result of all of this.
1: Sure, Well other, other, you know, just for the listeners who often like, I think wonder, how does fundraising actually work? Well, what, what are the mm. mechanics? What are the mechanics? So, pretend I'm a donor. What, what do you say? Do you do you you know woo me? Do you try and find something that's in my interest, or do you just you know pull it artful Dodger style in Charles Dickens and grab my <laughs> grab my wallet and then? Well,
2: leave? a lot of it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in this case, what I would do with you, Stefan, is kind of cultivate you for the long term because as a person who's completing their I'm not sure how deep your pockets
1: are. Yep, my like grad assistant stipend is not hefty. I'll That's tell you. Right.
2: But what I would want to make sure is I'm cultivating you for the future. Is make sure that you understand and value the work of Michigan State, which I know that you do. And then, of course, what I would hope is that over time, as you start your giving now. That towards the future, I'm creating that kind of affinity that you have to your institution. And I know you already have that. And then, you know, over the future, I may then ask you, tell me a little bit about uh, your interest in Michigan State. And what is it about Michigan State that you particularly valued? And if you were to say to me, well, my particular, uh, what I value the most for Michigan State is the way in which we incorporated diversity in the work that we did. And then I would say, tell me a little bit more about that. And then I, you know, I I'd okay. identify where your particular interest is, because for me, in in the line of work that I'm responsible for at Michigan State, I want to identify donors that hold those same values. And, and I think for the most part, Spartans do. hmm you know, they understand the values of the institution. They understand the values of being in a diverse campus environment. And hopefully from that, I might say, well, are you interested in student uh, support, for example, through scholarships? And you'd say, yes. Well, you know what? We may have an endowment that is of particular interest to you, Stefan. Mm. And then I'd go from there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah.
0: Do
1: you have a blank check that you could bring uh, or leave with us today? <laughs> <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, I do have blank checks available, and they remain blank because of a lack <laughs> of funding in the account to all which right. they're associated. All right. Good thing <laughs> but does, that, asked th- does that kind
2: of help, though? Are you, does it, are you encouraged? Are you inclined, inclined to give?
1: I'm hmm. encouraged to provide whatever is in my wallet uh, right now, mm. uh, which, Paulette, I, I mean, it's certainly, you know, finding things that are in my interest, you know, like you said, yeah. diversity or, or particularly in my case, would be graduate students and and graduate uh, and professional student development. That would be certainly a way of of looking at it.
2: I mean, I started giving as soon as I graduated from Michigan State. And, you know, I had a student call me, and this was a very long time ago now, but they, they asked me, would I be willing to give? And the one thing that I recognized, I was first generation at Michigan State, and the impact that Michigan State had on my life, I was the first in my family to go. I understood the value. I understood the opportunities that were presented to me. And Michigan State offered that to me. Mm -hmm. And I felt it was very important, even though if one were to go back and look at my giving history, they'd find I started at $5. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Those, you know, over time, that $5 has increased. Mm -hmm. And then when I uh, started at Michigan State almost 16 years ago, then I was in a much better position to give more. And one of the things that, um, through our office, we endowed the Dr. Martin Luther King Scholarship. And, and again, it's intended to support students who represent the legacy and do, you know, and have continued in that frame of, of work. And Mm -hmm. so it's creating those opportunities. And, and for someone like myself, it was, what did MSU do for me? It opened my life. It opened up the world to me. So why wouldn't I give?
0: Mm hmm. Uh I think if you're not careful, they're going to add a fourth title. You're going to get some sort of assistant vice president or vice <laughs> presidentship of, of development. development. Yeah. I, I yeah. think
2: that's in other duties as a sign. Oh, <laughs> that's already included a in there.
0: yes. All right. Well, if I had my wallet on me, I would give. Thank you. But fantastic. Do you know where your wallet is? Um, that's worrying. It's hmm. actually, it's actually in my pocket.
1: Okay, right. great. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. So that's outstanding. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting, although I feel like it's a little bit of a cheat to have already raised about half of your target donation before you announce the campaign. But I mean, I think that's not the worst kind of cheat I've ever heard.
2: I don't know. That's right. That's a lot of money to raise over time, mm-hmm. and you it, it's not going to happen overnight. And so to the extent that you start your work early, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, that's, that can be a core institutional value instead well. of procrastinating well. <laughs> that would be a good <laughs>
1: getting your homework done early
0: yeah uh yeah i'm just well. thinking of some of the students i've worked with over the years and yeah what a good that's a good value that we should instill preparation
1: mm-hmm.
2: money management
1: <laughs> there you go yeah yeah where's the home act courses those are the ones i needed I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll go from the, the sublime, as it were, to the, uh, a story that I found, uh, slightly ridiculous. And that <laughs> is the, this, this, uh, obviously big win for, for Michigan State at the weekend over the University of Michigan, 35-11 mm-hmm. in football. But, uh, Brady Hoke having to come out and apologize, uh, to Michigan State, to Mark D'Antonio, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, his players planting a stake in the Spartan Stadium turf at the 35-yard line, uh, before the game, the stake was supposed to be some sort of motivational symbol for his players. His players then took the motivational symbol uh, out to the field and uh, apparently uh, uh, put it into the turf. Uh, mm. uh, certain, uh, I think our, our athletics uh, department, certainly Coach Antonio and the players, took uh, umbrage to that uh, and. Uh, it's being uh, kind of alluded to as the reason why we you know went for a touchdown in the closing minutes of the game as opposed to running out the clock uh, uh the quote uh, from from coach d'antonio we try to handle ourselves with composure that doesn't come from a coach it comes from the program throwing the stake down in our backyard out here and coming out there like they're all that that got shoved up dot 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 it got shoved in the last minute and a half mm-hmm. so uh my questions are one uh, a tent stake i don't i don't know about uh, uh, Maybe I hold some sort of motivational value for for, for them. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, when you first brought up the the news item, I I literally thought you meant uh, like a filet mignon. Someone had gone had to Albert Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. No. That's an odd <laughs> motivational.
1: Yeah, it motivates me. I mean, certainly, I get motivated <laughs> by a good filet mignon. Sure. Uh, and why put it in the ground? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's... Like, yeah. What, it's it's so odd, and it just makes me think. Ugh, they you don't have good, you know. Control over the players, you know. That's just if your guys are doing
1: that. I, I thought that was a miniature construction project happening. I was unclear as to, to why why they did that. Paul, did you hear much uh, about this? Have you? I happen to be at the game. Okay. Did you see the stake? Can you describe I, the stake? I, I
2: missed the stake.
1: Oh. Okay. I missed.
2: The, I heard about the stake later. I think I was mm. probably, you know, out getting popcorn or something at the time. But um, no, I heard about the stake. So, you know, it, it's on some level, it's it's football and and i know it's it's all about the rivalry um perhaps in poor taste probably the sort of thing that you know provoked mm-hmm. in this case i think some consternation on the part of the coach and others but you know i i got to admit i i did miss that part i i missed that part
0: so yeah i don't mm-hmm. think anyone well you just like to see that michigan state has a uh, the classier program as it were we won yeah. -hmm. We
2: won, and it it felt good to be there. It was a beautiful day. It was Mm -hmm. a great evening, and you know we won. So yay, go Mm -hmm. green!
0: There you go, go Go white.
1: So do you want to get into some of your questions? For sure, Uh, Paulette. We we wanted to kind of invite you here primarily to talk about the "It's on Us" campaign. Uh, uh that Michigan State is uh, is a part of and for, for those who who are kind of unaware of of, of the campaign uh, can you tell us how it started and, and give us sure. some background on it well i
2: think um for most of us in higher education there's uh, a growing appreciation and i think certainly a recognition that uh there's an expectation that higher ed do more to Address issues of campus sexual assault and mm-hmm. sexual assault that impacts our students. And so the It's On Us campaign grew out of a White House task force report about a year ago um, that basically identified a, a set of expectations on the part of higher ed to address sexual assault, not only in terms of how we investigate them and respond to them, but ways that we can prevent and educate. Mm-hmm. And the It's On Us was a public awareness campaign. Uh, from the White House that basically not only talks about ways in which we can prevent this, but also acknowledge the role that men can play in preventing and um, responding to situations that might pose an opportunity for sexual assault to happen. So we talk about bystander intervention, and I think It's On Us is intended to raise not only the awareness of sexual assault, but ways in which we can step in appropriately to intervene and prevent.
1: And uh, you know Ed and I have had uh, a couple of student leaders uh, mm-hmm. er, on the show, uh, uh, the ASMSU president yes. uh, James Cromwell and, yeah. and the two uh, two of the, the Greek leaders from the Panhellenic and interfraternity councils. And yeah. how are students being asked to kind of participate in the campaign?
2: Well, as I understand it, um, the White House has reached out to uh, student organizations across the country, in because quite frankly, I think the, the view is that to the extent that students can help one, either spread the word, but also shift and help shape a culture on this campus that basically says, you know, it's not um, okay for sexual assault to happen. There are ways that we can intervene and be supportive of uh, our brothers and sisters out there that may become victims of sexual assault. And why not students, I think, to the extent that, um, you know, when we look at our campus, what, close to 50,000 students uh, that, that make up Michigan State? Um, and understand that they have a responsibility in this context and that students, I think, are far better at talking to each other than an administrator might be. You know, even the Title IX coordinator is as good as we think we are and as good as I think the staff within our office are, as well as those uh, who are members of the sexual assault programs and, and other staff here. Um, it is students that I think can have a more direct impact on students and so it's 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 inviting them to engage in ways in which they can help each other better understand the issues associated with it. so when they say it's on us it's on us
1: mm-hmm.
2: now you know one other thing i I do want to um uh, talk about is prior to the "It's on Us" campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan State had its own campaign. The there's no excuse for sexual assault, mm-hmm. and um, so there's there's quite a bit of of ways in which I think the "It's on Us" complements the there's no excuse. So we often say there's no excuse for sexual assault. It's on us. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's on us. There's no excuse for sexual assault. So I, you know it 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 both of them blend very nicely. I think.
0: And was the origin for the No Excuse campaign sort of jumping on top of that um, the the White or the task force that came out of the White no, House? No,
2: our our campaign actually began even before the the, the White House task force. So okay. we began our campaign almost three years ago, mm. um, and it was in response. There was a Dear Colleague letter in 2011 that basically clarified the expectations of the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights on campus response to sexual assault. And it was felt at that time that it's, it's not only part of our responsibility to investigate these, but also to educate so that students, as well as others on campus, better understand what sexual assault is, uh, ways in which we can better respond and, and educate. And so that's where we started uh, almost three years ago with no excuse.
0: Great. And do you have a sense of where we um, kind of stack up against, not against, but in comparison to some of the other Big Ten schools, or uh, maybe universities at large, in terms of sexual assault? Are we representative? Are we hopefully well, less? You
2: know what i what I think is is our efforts are working. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, we are finding that more students are reporting sexual assault, mm-hmm. and and as a result of that, I don't. I wouldn't say that it means more sexual assaults are happening, but we're getting the desired result of the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the the statistics from the U.S. Department of Justice were one in five students Mm -hmm. um, will either be uh, the victim of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault. Mm -hmm. That's a significant number. Yeah, But it's also Mm -hmm. the most underreported. Mm-hmm. Um, incident that happens on our college campuses, and mm-hmm. so the outcome, or the desired outcome, is for more to report, and that's happening. And I think it's a result of the education that's being done. I think it's it's the work that's being done in tandem with our office through the sexual assault program and student affairs, uh, the sexual assault re- relationship violence education that's going on for incoming students, the fact that we're requiring all incoming students to view a video that helps to define you know, what sexual assault is and what the campus resources are. All of those things are are working together um, that, that I think I can't speak for other campuses. I can certainly speak with respect to what we're doing here. And I think we're getting uh, the outcomes that we want to see, which is more reporting.
1: Great. Yeah, I mean, uh, broadly, uh, uh, Paulette, I think that, that one in five statistic, I mean, is is quite stunning yeah. uh, and, and, and very negative. And, and it's, it just leads to the question, how did we... You know, how did colleges and universities generally like, get to this place where it's a one in five number? What are the, the, the you know, it, it, it's, it, it's mind-boggling that it's, you know, one in five people are affected. It's, a, it's an absolute tragedy that it's one in five people. How, how did, you know, how did you think society got to a place culturally where, where it became that high?
2: Well, I, th- you, I think you used, uh, you just said, how did society... And I think that uh, we often talk about higher ed and in, in our college campuses being a microcosm of society. So the question, I think, you know, not to to place this uh, inappropriately on society, but I think appropriately, it does belong, you know, at a level where we look societally at what has happened and why is it that um, uh, victims of sexual assault don't report sexual assault? Mm-hmm. Um, And and I think to the extent that if society has made it particularly difficult for individuals to overcome certain hurdles, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's through law enforcement, whether it's through the judicial system, whether it's through, you know, a culture that somehow has allowed the victim to feel as though they're responsible for what has happened to them, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's what I wore or the fact that I had too much to drink or, you know, Whatever it is, I've had these conversations. I have a 17-year-old daughter. I have a 19-year-old son. And the conversations that I have with them today are very different than the one I might have had with them five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Before, uh, like most of us, a heightened awareness around sexual assault, especially with respect to college campuses. And and both of mine are now at college. Mm -hmm. And... You know, what I say to either one of them, you should be able to do anything. You should be able to wear whatever you want to wear. You should be able to drink as much as you choose to drink, hopefully not in a way that that harms you, uh, without fear that you will be raped mm-hmm. or sexually assaulted. Um, and unfortunately, that's not the way this typically works. Oftentimes, it's what she wore or what he did or you know, how much they had to drink that contributed to this happening to them. Really? You know, and I know that there are behaviors that perhaps put you at greater risk of something bad happening to you, Um, but it's not blaming the victim for something that has occurred. And so I think societally, these are issues. These are the deeper uh, conversations that we need to have. So I don't, I don't mean to, and uh, this is a serious subject. Mm -hmm. and, And so, and I think it should be taken seriously. Uh, but to your question, I think it is a societal, and and, and it's an issue that our college campuses face, not unlike the question and the issue that's faced in the broader society as well. So how do we change the culture? You know, through education and by being consistent in our message and, you know, making sure that under, individuals understand when uh, there is consent and under what circumstances is it Person able to give consent and being mindful of all of those things.
1: Mm-hmm. How um, you mentioned the the, the reporting, uh, you know, and encouraging people to to, to report incidences. How how. Do the students report incidences here on campus? How how we encourage it and who do they report it to?
2: Well, there are multiple places to okay. report and individuals um, obviously part of the educational campaign, uh, particularly for incoming students, is that they become aware of places that they can report but mm-hmm. it can, for some they may report it to an RA for some it may be a faculty member for others it could be a staff member for some it's law enforcement, for others it may be through the sexual assault program for others it may be at a hospital, um, if they believe that um, they've been the victim of a sexual assault, um, if they are the victim of a sexual assault, and and sometimes it's, um, it can be multiple places that an, an individual might go. They may start with the police, and then they may report it also to um, the sexual assault counselor mm-hmm. um, because if it happens and it involves a MSU student. Uh, the expectation is, especially uh, for staff and faculty, that they understand that they are what we call mandatory reporters. Mm. And so um, they will report that to the MSU police and to the Office for Inclusion, our office. And so multiple places, multiple places. But that also means that all of those touch points are places that we have to have a clear understanding of what happens next. Mm-hmm. The, f- the first thing is always getting the resources to the individual that um, um, alleges that they're the victim of sexual assault. And so it's making sure that they get the counseling and the other support services that they need.
0: I wonder if <clears throat> some of the uh, educational campaign isn't Target should not be targeted just at the students. That's obviously the really important part, but also um, at the level of, you know, staff and faculty like you're talking yeah. about.
2: And we do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, our our education, whether it's the if I think about this in the context of the it's on us, uh, whether it's there's no excuse for sexual assault. Uh, we are in the process right now of uh, developing what we call right now it's e-learning, but it's it's mandatory education for faculty and staff hmm. so that we're all clear about what our responsibilities are with respect to campus sexual assault. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 clear that um, uh, whether it's because I'm a mandatory reporter or I may not be clear about what consent means, I may not understand what incapacitation is, I may not be real clear about where the campus resources are. Um, in ways in which I can show empathy um, to an individual who's a victim of sexual assault. All of those things will be incorporated in the the education that we're going to be doing campus-wide.
1: Great. And um, MSU has kind of, uh, at least at the, the start of the year, that I think there were a couple of news reports talking about uh, MSU's, uh, you know, um Amending its sexual, uh, sexual harassment policy. Right. Uh, is, is that process, where is that process now and, and when, when will we see it published? And what, what, what are we looking at when we talk about amending the policy?
2: Well, we're looking at, a, a, I think, a far more comprehensive policy that has evolved over time, certainly over the last three years. The major revisions were made in the policy in January 2011, and that was in response to the Dear Colleague letter and some other guidance that um, institutions were receiving, as well as looking at whether institutions, other institutions were doing. So we expanded the the policy, the University Sexual Harassment Policy in 2011. And then over time, again, with the the White House Task Force and the changes in the Violence Against Women's Act, Mm -hmm. we knew that we were going to have to expand the coverage. So now we're expected to Uh, investigate domestic violence, relationship violence, and stalking, which adds more to the the range of things that we will have to do and the education that we'll have to do with respect to that. Um, But we needed to make a uh, a far more comprehensive policy to respond to the task force recommendations from the White House as well as the changes in the Violence Against Women's Act. And so we've kind of folded into... Uh, The 2011 sexual harassment policy, what's now going to be the relationship violence, sexual misconduct policy. Okay. So it's 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 fairly extensive. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to have a um, Q&A that's uh, attached to that, as well as uh, expanded education around that. Um, It's quite a bit of work. We've Mm -hmm. got a we also have a, a sexual assault relationship violence task force. That is going to look at the work we've done over the last ten years, from the time of our first sexual assault task force in '24. Okay. Um, so that's going to be off the ground hmm, probably in the next couple of weeks. So, okay, we've got a lot of work ahead of us.
0: Yeah, kind of. I, one of my questions follow up is: Do you have any fun parts of your job, or is it always just protecting everybody from everything bad that could potentially <laughs> happen? <laughs>
2: Uh, depends on what day of the week you ask me, <laughs> but, you know, I would have to say, you know, uh, and the people that, that kind of support this work at Michigan State, they do it because it's... Something that they have a great passion for. I mean, yeah. how could you yeah. how could you not um, have passion for whether it is um, trying to create a space where people feel supported? How could you not want to be associated with a an effort that intends to create an inclusive campus community? So that there's a lot of good. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is the part mm-hmm. of it that, on its face, seems overwhelming. But when you think about um, what the potential. Impact of this is, yeah. you know, it's it's pretty awesome, and it, it it feels great, yeah, you know. But it's a lot of work. It is sure. a lot of work. But we're not doing it singularly by ourselves. We we've, we've got great partners all over this campus, whether it's Cogs, whether it's ASMSU, uh, whether it's the fraternities and sororities that have all joined us in this work. Um, it's law enforcement. Um, mm-hmm. Our MSU Police Department just created a special victims unit. Uh, mm-hmm. and so we're we're working together as a community, and that's I think that's that's pretty cool that is I cool. like it, I yeah, like
0: it. I know a radio station that would be glad to help with messaging,
2: okay, is it uh impact yeah, that's uh, the one yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. impact <laughs> with an impact I got it yeah, yeah I think yeah uh, I think you have by allowing us this opportunity to talk with you
0: mm mm-hmm. and we'll definitely you know be happy to do more messaging and p s a s and whatever we can do to help but um, I also was just kind of wondering, you know. A big part of education, obviously, is your coursework and, you know, your major and stuff. But I I also wonder, you know, if just the experience of being on a campus uh, like Michigan State University, where, um, you know, these issues are taken very seriously, where inclusion is a core part of it. I wonder if that's an aspect of education that did you if you were not to go to MSU, you would never get otherwise. Do you ever think about sort of what the experience of an MSU student versus someone who... uh, doesn't participate in higher education or higher education in MSU. Do you ever think about kind of the nature of what our students get as a result of their experience here versus not?
2: Absolutely. Because, you know, there's an intentionality about it. Sure. Meaning, you know, we and, and, and people who, whether they're in student affairs, whether it's in the classroom, our work is intended to heighten students' awareness about the differences that they interact with every single day. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And it's helping you to appreciate the fact that those differences are there and that while it may feel uncomfortable at times, you know, part of the responsibility of higher ed is to create that space for you to engage across cultures. Mm -hmm. And so when I say there's an intentionality about that within higher ed, that's true, because this is something that Individuals are thinking about every single day. It's what we do as our profession, as our avocation, uh, and it's 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 with a kind of deliberateness that may not happen um, outside of uh, a learning environment like this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, before I came to Michigan State. Um, You know, obviously, like all high school students, I'm I'm living the dream of a high school student, right? I'm just doing my day to day thing. I'm doing what I do, and unless the school K through twelve is very purposeful about this, that's not the sort of thing you're always thinking about. You know, I have these experiences, but I don't always know what they mean. Mm -hmm. You know, and I had some positive things happen, but I also had some negative things happen to me. And both as a woman and as a woman of color, you know, I was told, and this was when I was in high school, and I won't go how far back that was, (laughs) but I was told that I couldn't pole vault because girls didn't have upper body strength. Mm. Okay. And I was, you know, hurt by that, but I didn't know that I had recourse. Um, My daughter um, qualified for States as a pole vaulter. I said, life's greatest irony, you know, (laughs) the mom being told she couldn't and the daughter being, you know, someone who qualified for States in pole vaulting. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, um, I can appreciate that. I don't know that she could necessarily unless I told her the story. and um, But you go through life and you don't always understand that there were others who paved the way for you to be able to have these experiences. And oftentimes that happens through higher ed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, I've you know, I've had the opportunity to be in the classroom and working with students before. And I think we have a tendency to get very Focused on the minutia and the getting, you know, the grading and is this, uh, you know, learning objectives and is how is this going to prepare you for a job, you know, mm-hmm. career and that sort of thing. And um, it seems like it's easy to lose the bigger picture and the, like you said, the intentionality of mm-hmm. the student experience. And I, I got to think it's hard to measure some of
2: that. Uh, I, you know, I suppose it could be. But let, can I can I throw something back at you? You said you it, yeah. you're in a classroom, mm-hmm. you know, and and when I talk about intentionality and being deliberate are there things that you do or could do to create that kind of purposeful opportunity for students to understand the differences that are right there in your classroom? Are there things that you do to kind of create, I'm not putting you on the spot, but mm-hmm. I could, I, you know, I could ask you to answer the question, but it's <laughs> turned know, into a reverse interview. I know, I know. Like, but what <laughs> sort of Nazi things? Now. Yeah. yeah it's Why like, is Ed sweating? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I see that beating right there on your forehead. And um, the audience, the folks out there can't see it, but I can, but no, <laughs> it's it's really you know ways in which as a faculty member that you can create that space for students to be comfortable with the differences that are there that you don't you know perhaps create an opportunity for something to be said um that offends someone in the classroom and then just let it sit there mm-hmm. and not be able to competently respond to it? Um, how do you create diverse teams so that, you know, whether I'm an international student um, who is not particularly comfortable um, in the absence of someone creating that comfortable space for me? Um, how do you how do you create um, uh, a way of of US students understanding you know how important it is for them to reach across cultures and interact with international students I mean, that's when i talk about the intentionality that's what this i think should be about
1: mhm does, so, does, he, uh, does the kind of education work that, that, or um, helping to develop a, or understanding among international students? Does that differ slightly than what domestic students need on, on issues like sexual assault? Or
2: sure, uh, it does. I think um, you know, sexual assault and and culture and and ways in which one might react respond, report, are going to be very different. And I think what we have to do is recognize that, um, and also address those concerns. Because within some cultures, talking outside of culture is not the sort of thing that's going to happen. Um, so, fear of police is also a concern. Mm-hmm. So if you, if, if, if within the culture that you, um, have come out of, police are not necessarily regarded as a friend. And that can be both as a U.S. citizen or someone that comes from uh, another country where law enforcement is viewed very differently. Mm -hmm. How do you create um, an opportunity for those individuals to understand that at least here at Michigan State, um, there is a kind of understanding and education that we've done to sensitize our law enforcement on what it means to reach across cultures and allow them um, to understand that this is not something you should fear, but yes, culture does impact um, how we educate, respect, respond, prevent mm-hmm. sexual assault
1: you're um, yeah you're, you're kind of the the, the role of uh, the police as, a, as an authority kind of mm-hmm. element of things kind of leads me on to, to one uh, question that, that that I did have for you, which is there is a is a consistent kind of undertone of the conversation about the role of the federal government or or the role of different, you know, the, the complexities of federal guidance. Uh, and then also you have on the other side, uh, the, you know, uh, Senator McCaskill from Missouri right. and, and her survey that she sent to, uh, I think, 404 yeah. uh, different colleges and universities. Uh, you know, do, do you have any kind of reaction to federal involvement? Is it confusing sometimes? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful?
2: Well, I guess I'm at a point now where it just is. Okay. I mean, it's just a fact. <laughs> it's
1: just existing. It, 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 it's there, yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah. and I think on some levels, uh, the clarity is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a lack of clarity early on in um, this work. Uh, I you know when I think back in the the 90s, when you know the sexual harassment law was evolving and some of the guidance from the feds were there, but it was never as explicit as it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's important because if you're held accountable to a set of regulations, it's it's helpful if it's clear. Um, we may differ on that. I, I may, you know, as I look back over the years that I've been here, I felt that uh, the federal guidance on this was not as explicit as it is now. And I think just time and experience has allowed, and case law, has allowed that clarity to evolve. And so... We're at a point now where there's expectations, there are mandates, there are recommendations. Um, we have institutions all over the country that are doing a range of things to be responsive to the guidance, and we're no different, and we're going to do what we need to do.
1: Um, Paulette, one, uh, I, I guess, is um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I, I didn't ask this. Obviously, in in May, uh, the Office of Civil Rights did come up with a list of universities that they were kind of working with to, to, to kind of uh, investigate, uh, a, a, as it were, so some of the, the, the handling of Title IX cases. And, and Michigan State was, was listed. And you, you can correct me into the in terms of the, the, the proficiency that Michigan State was on that list of, I think, 60 plus. Well, institutions. we're at
2: 85, I think. 85? Right now, yeah. Okay. Mm. A little over 80.
1: I, is that process still an ongoing process or, or where are we in terms of? We
2: still haven't heard anything yet. Okay. So mm. we're waiting. Okay.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder what the criterion were, because there's an awful lot of universities and colleges that could have been included.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was a, it was just like, you know, there was a, a list of institutions uh, off, uh, off of the bat uh, across the, the the country, and uh, I think it took a, at least a, a few people who weren't paying attention to the issue a little bit by surprise, I, I would say, Paul, in terms of the the number of institutions. And again, it's part of this uh, I think the increasing awareness on on this issue that, that's been raised at various levels.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a fair statement of I think what has gone on. And I, you know, when you read um, some of the statements that are out there from OCR, it's it's mainly around process and whether or not the institutions have followed mm-hmm. uh, the process in terms of uh, assuring that. Um, whether it is investigating, whether it's the timeliness of those investigations, whether it's the ways in which we're interacting with law enforcement. Um, it's a whole range of things that I think, if you go back and look at the Dear Colleague letter, mm-hmm. uh, 16 pages worth of letter. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow. That is yeah. a long letter. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, it, it's both from yeah. reporting to investigating to education to Uh, Collaborations uh, to campus resources. It's a broad range of things that are a part of that letter. And so um, we're all under that kind of scrutiny now.
1: Oh, go ahead. No, no. Uh, after you, I was. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, you know, if if you look five years down the road, Paulette, or, or, or ten years, or you know, further down the road, where where would you hope Michigan State University is on 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 this issue? Is it is it you know that you have the increased reporting in place? Are there are there other specific goals, as it were, in mind, or or you know?
2: Well, I, I think ultimately what you want, and, and we are seeing that from some of the data that we're getting from students, is a heightened awareness around what sexual assault is, um, a heightened awareness around uh, the campus resources, um, a feeling of safety, and, and I think that's particularly important, trusting a process. Uh, and I think we're beginning to, you know, and we're really at the early stages of our work, um, in terms of the intensity of the work, but mm-hmm. we are beginning to see, um, I think, students' awareness as well as their sense of safety increasing. Uh, would we would we like to be able to demonstrate that there's no sexual assault that's happening to uh, members of the MSU community? Ideally, I think any of us would love to see that as an outcome, Um That is reality I I don't think is possible. I want to see continued increase in the number of cases and incidents that are reported. And I want to see um, students change a behavior, you know, um, both in terms of um, understanding these issues, intervening when appropriate, understanding under what circumstances it makes sense to intervene, um, when I talk about behavior, I'd, I'd love to see more of that, and, and I think we will. Um, I think as individuals understand that there are ways to, to to recognize something that could potentially lead to an individual being sexually assaulted or an attempted sexual assault happening, uh, looking for the signs of that and then stepping in. Um, that's, I think, ideally as we move uh, over the next couple of years, when you look at the It's On Us and, and going back to what, what brought me to uh, this show was this notion of It's On Us and the, and the value it plays in students' understanding of certain things that they can do to step in, you know. And when we talk about It's On Us, that's that's what this is about, you know. So I, I'm looking forward to the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got... Students who are excited about ways that they can support the effort uh we've got students who have a voice, um, whether it's because of their own experiences as sexual assault victims, but also allies in in assuring that uh, members of the community understand what we can do differently and i'm you know I'm the forever optimist,
0: yeah. You have to be, you're you in the job of uh, protecting and serving. You know? <laughs> yes. I guess you don't have to be, but it probably helps.
2: No, it it, it certainly is what we do. Yeah.
0: Thank, well, thank you goodness, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, thank you. Oh, thank
0: you. So, yeah, no, I was going to ask the, the where do you see the things in five-year question, so you beat me to the punch. Sorry about that. That's all right. Sorry yeah. about that. That's all right.
2: But you were surprised that I've already projected out five years, right?
0: Uh, I don't, <laughs> nope. It should I'm not. last you fifty years, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you you got you know ten jobs, and uh, I expect nothing less.
2: Yeah, and and that next generation of folks who want to do this work, I'm I'm looking for them. So, you know, send them in my direction, and and we'll develop their talents, and and then they can step in, and you can interview them in five years.
0: All right. All right.
1: Fair enough. Well you uh, you know that probably will lead us onto the, the, the kind of uh, uh, go uh, go white segment where we talk about uh, events or, or, or things of interest and you mentioned and I always get the numbers the wrong way around 6050 uh, yeah exactly yeah. Well uh, talk to us about the the 6050 uh, initiative you.
2: yeah yeah okay project 6050 you know what uh, 2014 represents the 60th anniversary of the Brown v Board of Education decision by the Supreme Court dismantling discrimination in higher ed or in in education public education. Mm -hmm. not just higher ed and the 50th anniversary of the signing of the sixty-four civil rights act and so Mm. almost three years ago a couple of individuals including uh john beck and nick mccurro from um, the college of law and the school of human resource and labor relations approached our office and said you know 2014 represents you know significant anniversaries of and i just mentioned what those two were, and the view was that maybe there's something big MSU can do to not only celebrate history, but also to educate and engage the campus community and maybe even the broader community around what are uh, civil rights issues and, and human rights issues today. And I thought it was a great idea, and it took off. And since uh, the launching of the campaign or the project in 2014, January 2014, on the on the King holiday, we've had over 150 conversations. So this is facilitated conversations on civil and human rights and um, which have, when I say 150 conversations, but those 150 conversations have impacted um, thousands of individuals, both on campus and beyond one book, one community this year. When you look at uh, whether it was John Lewis, Michelle Norris, um, you know, and and Ryan Coogler, uh, Fruitvale Station, and John Lewis's book March One, and Michelle Norris's The Grace of Silence, all of those issues touch on civil and human rights issues, and um, so it's ways that we've partnered um, both within the campus community, but more broadly, folks are loving this. Uh, That was one of those things that we kind of thought might happen, but we've been overwhelmed by the response to these opportunities to talk about what are continuing civil and human rights issues today. Human trafficking being one of those. Mm -hmm. Elder Uh rights, marriage equality, environmental justice, educational equity, um, just a a broad range of things that people want to talk about. That's great. Yeah, we love it. This is one of those good things. You were asking me about the positive mm-hmm. the, the positive and great and wonderful things. This this represents, in, in balance, it, it has allowed us not only to kind of continue this conversation about whether or not um, gender equity and, and sexual assault falling into that category, um, but also the broader range of things. And, and students have been fabulous. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. always so impressed by students anyway, but... I'm particularly impressed by the issues that they've raised. We've had high school students um, who wanted to partner with us on issues around gender bias. Mm. Um, A group of uh, four young women uh, from one of our local school districts came to visit. We were having a barbecue, and it was a, a way of, you know, it was a way of talking about some other things related to 6050, and they came and they wanted to talk about gender equity and, and what they call boys will be boys. And it's getting at issues of ways in which boys and men can be allies and supporters of girls and, and women. Uh-huh. And I was just delighted by that. And, and I've had students want to talk about, you know, trans rights, uh-huh. um, you know, these issues of, of environmental. Uh, justice in brownfields and in brown um urban gardens and water rights and it it just goes on you know mm-hmm. students are amazing they are. Love it, so many, love it. Yeah. Yes. so many diverse
1: interests oh, yeah so many diverse interests and so passionate about so many different things yeah. Yeah. yeah and
2: they just bring the rest of us along mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know i'm i'm going for the ride with them so whatever it is that that students find as important civil and human rights issues, we want to create the space if we can. And they're creating their own space. So if you, if you go over to Mosaic um, in the Student Union and look at the exhibit there, the Project 6050 exhibit, we ask them, who are your leaders? Who do you see as today's leaders around these issues? And what are the issues you want to talk about? And just l- let it go. And uh, conversations have a way of taking off. Mm-hmm. Just create the space for it
1: hmm Where can uh where can uh, individuals uh find uh, kind of more information about upcoming uh, uh, conversations or, or events pull up?
2: Just Google Project 6050, uh whether it's in the MSU search engine or just generally uh or inclusion if www.inclusion.msu.edu That'll get you to all the information that you need.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and visiting with us. It's a, a woman of many titles because she's doing a lot for the university. We're very lucky to have her uh, not thank only you. at the university, but here in our studios at The Impact. Uh, Paulette Granberry-Russell, thank you so much for being with us here on Red Cedar Rancor.
2: My pleasure. Go green.
0: Go white.
2: Yeah.